Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 277 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. I'm so thrilled to have uh, my good friend Sam Collier back on the podcast. You know, we talk about this in the show. I don't want to wreck it, but like it was, I think, five years ago that we were on a drive from Austin to Dallas, and he was in the back seat of an SUV with... Uh, with Reggie Joyner and I, and uh, I mean, nobody knew who Sam Collier was, and he's on some of the biggest stages in the world right now, and we talk about how to find your voice, build a platform, stay true to yourself, handle feedback and criticism, and Sam is an amazing friend. He's got a new book coming out as well, which I'm super excited about, and uh, yeah, he's just everywhere these days, and I'm so thrilled uh, that Sam is back on the podcast. So we're going to talk about that journey. And for those of you who want to build your own platform or you're dealing with like a high growth environment or how to get your message out there, I think you're going to absolutely love today. Hey, let's connect on social media this summer. I love Instagram. Uh, you can find me there. It's just my full name, Carrie Newhoff. Uh, I think you can misspell it. You'll still find me. And uh, I love hanging out on Insta stories. So that's an awful lot of fun. And I just want to take a moment to thank all of you who are leaving ratings and reviews. Here's one from Lori Brumfeld. Lori, thank you so much for leaving this. He said, Carrie, I absolutely love this podcast. The interviews are always insightful and full of so much heart and wisdom. Thanks for sharing these amazing interviews. Hey, Lori, it's a privilege to do that. Also, Tony said, look forward to each podcast. Jonathan said, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. Every episode is full of interesting, informative, and immediately applicable information. I never miss an episode. Thank you, Carrie and team, for all your hard work and investment in others. You guys are rock stars. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate that, Jonathan Baker. I love this one. <laughs> Craig says, I can't believe this is free. Um, that's great. I love that. Carrie gives a front row seat to thought leaders of our generation. Thanks is inadequate. You guys, you, you make it so worthwhile. So thank you for those ratings and reviews. Uh, by the time you hear this, we're probably at over a thousand now in the US iTunes store and hundreds more worldwide. Just thank you for that. Now, I uh, want to talk to you guys about what you are doing for graphic design. You know, Briar is one of those people moonlighting as a worship leader on Sundays. And during the week, guess what? She's a project manager at Pro Media Fire. Her passion is leading her church in worship on Sunday and helping churches all week long with their media. So we have professionals who do this at Pro Media Fire. And Briar works with partner churches and creatives to help them get projects done on time. So whether you need a custom graphic for the next sermon series, a hot social video that people are actually going to share, she keeps the projects running smoothly. And at Pro Media Fire, you get an entire creative team, people like Briar, uh, for the fraction of a cost of one staff hire. They know ministry, they know media. And if you want custom graphic design and video, check out ProMediaFire by going to promediafire.com forward slash carry. You'll get 10% off the plans for life if you go to that site, promediafire.com forward slash carry. And they'd love to serve you there. Also, your volunteers have a lot on their plate already. Most of them are working full-time jobs, raising kids, trying their best to serve well, running off to soccer, baseball, football. So communicating with busy people, not easy. I mean, a lot of people don't check their social messages anymore. They aren't going to read a 14-paragraph long email. So how do you actually connect with 
the wide variety of people you serve in the church. Well, Huddle Up is a new communication tool built by the same team that brought you trained up. Huddle Up lets you easily record a weekly update video from your webcam, send it out to your team, and give everyone an easy place to communicate with one another. Your busy team members get the communications they need in a format that's easy to digest, and you get a simple place for all communication to happen without having to navigate between separate tools for email, text messaging, and live chat. It's all there. So head on over to servehq.church and check out Huddle Up for free for 14 days. You get full access to the tool as well as personal support from the ServeHQ team. So that's servehq.church and make sure you sign up for your free trial of Huddle Up. Well, without further ado, let's dive into my always rich and powerful conversation with my friend, Sam Collier. Sam, welcome back to the podcast, man. Good to have you. Man, it's such an honor to be on this platform. It's one of the largest leadership Christian platforms in the country, man. This That's is what just my mom incredible. says, you know, <laughs> she does, Sam. And I got to tell you, you're unique because the first time you were on the show, you yeah. remember we were supposed to have another guest who, who yeah. shall be nameless and is coming back right. on the podcast. Okay, okay. And okay. it was done live in Orange. <laughs> And yeah. all of a sudden he couldn't make it. And yeah. we're sitting there with a live audience with video cameras rolling. That's right. And uh, they're like, Sam Collier's available. I'm like, great. You were going to be on the podcast anyway. Now you're on right now. And that was a great interview, dude. That was and awesome. It was, it was, again, it was such an honor. I felt like, you know, it's one of those times when God moves and he's like, hey, I want this to happen. And I'm like, of course, whatever Carrie's doing, I'm doing. I'm in. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I feel that way about you, Sam. And we got a lot of your backstory, a lot of the story of growing up and mm. just, you know, really uh, difficult circumstances. I'm always fascinated right. with people who were not born um, in a particularly affluent or well-connected family and mm. God has done incredible things with their lives. And that's certainly your story. But I got to tell you, dude, you you have a rocket attached to you. Every time <laughs> I look at you, you're doing something new, something bigger, something wow. better. Like it wasn't, and I think we talked about this in the first time I had you on the podcast, but yeah. you really had no public ministry. Was that five years ago that you and I were in the same car on the way from yes. Austin to With Dallas, 100%. Texas? percent. And I was going to say this, um, a large part of, if, I mean, I don't know if you call it success or influence or, of my, or my influence expanding. A large part of that has been you being available by text because you know, wow. and, I mean, let's just be honest. Anytime I'm trying to figure something out, I'm texting you. And what's crazy to me is I know you're busy. I know you're running around, but you always take a moment and say, hey, Sam, here's how you think about Facebook ads. Hey, Sam, here's how mm. you do this. Here's how I did, you know, here's how you galvanize emails and here's what you need to be doing. And that's been that's been such a big thing for me. And it started in that car in Austin mm. on the way to Dallas. <laughs> so for leaders, let's let's take them back to that moment. Where were you yeah. in your life? Was that well, let's just call it was that four years ago, five years ago, something like that? Man. Is I don't tell this story much, but I'm so glad you're asking me about it. Yeah. I don't think I've told it in this way ever. Um, yeah, it was about four or five years ago. And where I was in my life, man, I was taking a leap of faith. Yeah. And were. most people don't know that. I, I think you knew that, but I, you know, I was 
I was at New Birth for a very long time, and then we went through that church scandal, and it dropped from twenty five thousand down to three thousand in a year. Mm-hmm. And then after New Birth, I went to Green Pastures, which was a fifteen hundred member church. And were you um, on for, staff there, or you were attending? Yeah, I was um, basically I was worship pastor, but then also kind of an associate pastor. I would preach about twice a month there. Mm-hmm. I got reordained and relicensed in ministry. Uh, through Green Pastures. And I was really trying to figure out, you know, I felt God calling me into, um, uh, I don't want to even say more innovative spaces, but just into a more multicultural kind of space. And I was trying to figure out how to get over there. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? And you know, the model of North Point, it, it was, you know, it's right people, right places. And when we, when I first got to Buckhead Church, it was the Buckhead campus, it was, hey, Sam, you're the right person, but we got to find the right place. And for me, I hate it. I don't, I don't even want to use the word hate. I am not wired per se to be, to do nine to fives, which I think you can mm. maybe a little bit more attest to, you know, I'm an I, entrepreneur at heart. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I, I can relate to that, buddy. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm not exactly wired for nine to five either. Right. Right. But some people are amazing at that. Yeah. I just knew I wasn't. And so in North Point, you know, they hire directors, which you mm. know, and so mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta, you got to come in. You have to be able to manage that thing. You got to be consistent. And I had already learned by that time that I would not be good in like a staff role, but they wanted me to be a part of the system and a part of the culture. And I wanted to be a part of the system and a part of the culture. But then we kind of had that financial issue. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to mm-hmm. live. It's like, I- well, at some point I have to eat, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Buckhead Church just kind of jumped in with me and said, you know what? We'll have you twice a month. You'll, you'll be involved in what we're doing. And I kind of became a speaker slash host communicator, whatever. At, at North Point, then I just started jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping. And so I wanted to, I wanted that, but still that, that finance wasn't enough to really support the season I was in. And so yeah. I was trying to figure, you know, how do I jump from where I'm at to get into this new space? And I went through a, a moment where Bucket was just like, hey, we'll, we'll partner with you for a year and really figure out some things. And we'll, and they basically, and I'm just going to be honest, they were giving me the minimal amount that I would need, which for them was the maximum amount of that specific role. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. So they were really getting all in, you know, shout out to Andy, you know, for always believing in me and letting me be on that stage. Chris Green, who did that. And I was living paycheck to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. And Elevate came along and they said, hey, we'll give you a retainer. You can still do North Point, but we'll help you out. And so still, I was kind of living paycheck to paycheck, but I was still, but the finance had increased a little bit more. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. And then I did big stuff, met John Acuff. And I think I told, I don't know if I told you this, but I had no idea who John Acuff was. Again, I grew up black community, black, 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 black people, everything. Yeah. I saw anything. So John Acuff is talking to me. And he's like, man, who are you? You know, because I was different. You know, I came, mm-hmm. you know, I always say I was kind of one of the first of my kind to come from a Pentecostal background and jump over into North Point. Which- yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a culture shift. It was a, I mean, complete. So I was still kind of like trying to figure out who everybody was. And so I think John noticed that I was a little different. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, man, tell me about your story. And we're backstage at Big Stuff Camps down in uh, Panama City Beach. And he Googles me and sees I have this nonprofit. He's like, wait, you do work in the inner city. Okay, you kind of work with Martin Luther King's family. Wait, who are you? Like, what? And then he brings his wife over. And I still don't know who John is. 
And he's like, man, you got to meet Reggie Joyner. And I said, who's that? (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell Reggie, but that's what my response was the first time someone said, you got to meet Reggie Joyner. (laughs) And he changed my life. So I get it. Oh, that's what what we're getting. Um, He said, you got to meet Reggie Joyner. I'm like, who's your? and so then I'm like, I don't know who John Acuff is. I have no idea who Reggie is. And then a friend, a friend of mine, I think it was Trey McKnight or, or Joseph had somebody, a Chris Colley, somebody came up to me and said, Do you know who that is? And I'm like, No, who's who's that? He's like, it's John Acuff. Google him. And so I Googled him. I was like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm in a room with Kristen Ivy, who is saying, You need to meet Reggie Joyner. And I'm on a plane to Tex to Austin, Texas. And I'm in a car with Carrie Newhoff, Reggie Joyner, Kristen Ivey, and Colette. Uh, and I'm going, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> and we're driving from Austin to Dallas, which is not a short drive. Yep. It's not a four-hour drive of, which is really, I mean, it was an unbelievable experience. Because for four hours, you guys just like, well, who are you? Who do you want to be? What's your mission statement in life? And I'm like, ah, you know. <laughs> And when we finally land in Dallas, and I think you were in this meeting, we were in a we went into a meeting with the head of TD Jakes Enterprises. Oh yeah, I was in that meeting. All in one day. Right. <laughs> so your mind is blown. I'm just like ah. And two a.m. that night, um, I met Reggie in the lobby at the hotel, and we said, he said, I like you, I like you. I said, I like you, and. And we were trying to figure out how how to play together. And he was like, you know, I want to date before we get married. <laughs> you know? and, yeah, and yeah. Like, <laughs> Classic Reg. Yeah. Right. But but five years later, man, my whole life has changed um, from that car. You know, it's really interesting because I, I look back on that. And Brian Houston, who's been a guest on this podcast, he says, what you have to do if you really want to create an amazing team, and I mean, my goodness, Brian and and his team have created a world-class team that's literally changing the world. Yeah. But he says you have to spot the golden people. And mm-hmm. I think that is a gift that our mutual friend, Reggie Joyner, who at some point before I die will be a guest on this podcast. I'm just naming it <laughs> once again. That's a at longstanding joke between Reggie and I. Um, <laughs> but you guys who don't know him have to get to meet him. You got to get to know him. Uh, you got to spot the golden people. And Reggie is so good at that. Like he will see, and obviously John was good at it. And I saw gold in you, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, potential. And it's interesting because what was, I want to ask you, what was the next step for you? Because a lot of listeners, you know, most of us have met somebody who has greater influence than we do. All right. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, translate this into every situation, whether you're in ministry, whether you're in business, uh, an entrepreneur, you meet somebody like I, I got a friend whose life goal was to meet Richard Branson and he's out <laughs> in the Caribbean. I don't know where Necker Island is, but it's somewhere warm and tropical and he happened right, to be near right. it. And Branson shows up. It's like, what? wow, what do you do in those moments? Right. And that's another conversation for another day. But you're meeting with Reggie. Uh, yeah. You have an opportunity to meet somebody. You've met Acuff already. And, and you have a chance, Sam, to do something a lot of other people wouldn't have. How did you know what to do next? Or did you know what to do next? Just kind of walk us through that a little bit. Wow. Um, I didn't know this at the time, but I think I had an intuitive 
lack of a better phrase, unction mm. that pushed me to do this. And we, I had Brad, Brad Lominick on The Greatest Storm on my podcast, and and one of his biggest one of the biggest statements he made was he said, you know, if you crush it in the now, it'll lead to your next, in a sense. Mm-hmm. He said, but the goal, he said, everybody wants to figure out what's next. He said, but what you need to do is crush it in the now, because if you can crush it in the now, it'll lead to the next. And I think for me, that kind of became the goal. It was, how do I crush what I have in my hands so that it can lead to something else. And, mm. you know, that night after Reggie, after me and him talked, he said, hey, I want to kind of turn this diversity corner. We, we had just had that meeting with, with Jake's Enterprises and TD, later J, T.D. Jake's endorsed Orange Curriculum and Conference and all that. Mm. And I was still at North Point. And my goal was just to, you know, every Sunday I got on stage, I wanted to nail the announcements <laughs> and the offertory moment like like never before. I said, how can I get better at this? How can I get better at this? And luckily I had people like Chris Green, like Lincoln, who's over uh, at uh, Bucket, like Lauren Espy, like Jeff Henderson, who were calling me up to a higher space. And that's that's what I love about North Point is they will, and you know this because y'all do it at Conexus, um, they will give you feedback. And mm-hmm. after every... <laughs> Right after every moment, it doesn't matter how big or small it is, it's they're going, all right, hey, that sentence, you could have said that a little bit better. Oh, I love what you did there. Let's try this. So they were always calling me. So for me, I was I just kept chasing after lack of a better phrase, greatness. I'm like, I want to chase after being great. I want to chase and if if I were to turn a corner a little bit and say this and we we talk about it, you know, there was a pressure on me that I don't think anybody put on me but myself. And maybe my parents of being, you know, when you're a black man in America, in a predominantly white space, that's not just a normal white space. It's one of the largest churches in America. Mm-hmm. And you're at Orange, which is one of the largest parachurch organizations in the world. Period. Yeah. Period. Which is Reggie Joyner founded it for the listeners. It's I'm going, I got to I got to do I got to get on my game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's it. That's it. And so every night before I would get up to be at North Point, and even before I would get on an orange stage, and I'll talk to you about how hard Reggie pressed me in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I would go over that welcome 10 times mm. every night. I would go, okay, great. And it's And I had a mentor of mine that told me, I grew up in theater. He told me, as soon as you get tired of rehearsing, do it one more time. Oh, that's good. Oh, I know. He said that, that's when you know you got it. And so that's what I would do. I was just, I was determined because, and North Point was on me too. And not because I was black, but but, but it's because they were on everybody. You know what I'm saying? Oh (laughs) yeah. No, listen, that, that is the the culture there for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, and so I, I mean, every night, every night, every night, every night, every night, and I would get up and I would, and, and so my, my goal was to crush it in the now and it did. And, and I, and, and it did lead to my next, um, Reggie, when I got to orange Lord, I mean, and you know, cause you've worked with Reggie before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh gosh. He's really nice about it, but he is, but he's like, let's, let's, let's talk about that sentence again. <laughs> right. I know. You're talking about one sentence for an hour. 
uh, listen, when we wrote a book together all those years ago, we spent, I think I can honestly say weeks debating the five key phrases in the book. Weeks. Yeah. And we would spend an entire day on, is it fight for the heart or fight for your family or what? Like, what is that? And I didn't mm. understand it at the time. So if you look at Reggie's Strength Finders, and this is an applicable principle beyond just, you know, our idiosyncratic story. Right. Reggie, Reggie's one of his primary strengths, I believe, is communication. And mm. a communicator like Andy, I would, wouldn't be surprised if Andy Stanley, one of his principal strengths has to be communication. It has to be. I mean, they will see nuances and phrases that I just didn't naturally see. And mm. now a decade later, oh my gosh, or 12 or 14 years later, yeah. I, I realize how important those words are. Yeah, but at first, did it seem weird to you? It's like, hey, let's talk about that sentence. Oh my gosh, it was, yeah. And I think even for me, what was even more difficult was trying to hold on to, to my authenticity yeah. while changing sentences. <laughs> which made it even more difficult because not only were we talking about what we were trying to say, but I'm like, well, I wouldn't say it that way. And so now we're like, okay, well, how would you say it? And then we, <laughs> and so we were going That's really interesting. And was some of that cultural because oh, of your background versus, you know, all those, you know, white people in the suburbs? Is, is that part of it? It was all cultural when it, when it mm. came to that. Because, and, and that's been, you know, when we talk about, and we're, we may talk about this label, when we talk about diversity work, it's like, you know, for me, that's always what I say. It's, you know, how do my biggest challenge was becoming relevant in a new culture while holding on to my own. How do you do that, Sam? That is fascinating. <laughs> I want to go there. Okay. Go. Yeah. Um, I think on a very practical level, and then we can jump back to emotional, spiritual, the inspirational part. Yeah, yeah. I think on a, on a very practical level, um, it's learning grammar. So for me, and I, and I knew grammar, but I had to, I had to differentiate what was good grammar and what was style. Hmm. And oftentimes those two competed against one another okay. because while we, we would spend a moment on grammar and that was great. And I was like, well, I don't know if it's grammar there as much as you would say it that way culturally. Right. That's how the culture speaks that I can like, we can change grammar and we can flip things around and we can do that, but I can't, I don't want to change style. And I remember hitting a point and I don't know which organization I was in. I don't think it was North point or orange, but, and this is more to the inspirational part. When we started getting into syntax, which is how you put your sentences together. You know what I'm saying? How mm -hmm. you connect yeah. words, which is kind of separate from grammar. It's just kind of how you are saying something. Um, that's when I had to kind of push the pause button. And I do that all the time. I'm going, mm -hmm. all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I want to say it like a black man would say it, but I'm also going to say it in a way that where people can understand it, which is grammar. Right. But I don't want to lose my style. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, no, I, I get it. Listen, as a guy who comes from maybe a more similar cultural background, yes. uh, working with those communicators, and it was like, well, let's say it this way or let's try it that way. There is when your voice is being reshaped and whether that's, you know, you're just in a brand new book deal. So you're going to be working with editors and whatever their background, they're going to be like, Sam, 
don't say it this way. What about this way? Or this point doesn't yes. resonate. And I think what you're saying is, is universal in the sense that when you're being challenged, when you're being shaped, there's a certain point is at which if I change too much, I'm not me anymore. And I don't know mm-hmm. how to wake up being that. Yes. Because I've I've fit into I've fit into a suit that doesn't fit me. Like I'm wearing this thing. Yes. I'm wearing Saul's armor, right? To use yes. a biblical metaphor. <laughs> and I can imagine when the cultural background is as different as yours was from say Reggie's or Andy's or whoever you're working with, that that's even that's even a bigger challenge. I get that. Yeah, one hundred. And because I, I, I'm the the example I get in my head is it would be like trying to take the Canadian out of you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we need the, I, I don't know what the phrase is. It is it, oh, is it, hey, I don't, what is the Canadian yeah, phrase? Hey. Yeah. It's a beautiful like, day, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm like. You don't want to lose that. Right. And people can understand that. That's not a grammar issue. That's a cultural thing that is unique to Kerry Newhall. And so for me, I wanted to keep my cultural uh, idiosyncrasies, if you will. Yeah. Um, but speak in a language in which the new culture could understand. So uh, the other side of that for me was was asking questions around, okay, that was too cultural hmm. to where nobody can understand it. How do I say what I'm trying to say in a way that in, in which you can get it? And so it was just fi- figuring out, for lack of a better phrase, where the landmines were so that I didn't keep stepping on them. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, I was in I was in England. All right, so I mean, Canada used to be a British colony 150 years ago, yeah. and uh, I won't say the word because I don't want to jump all over our UK listeners. But there was a term we use just not very often, but from time to time, which apparently means something very vulgar and very sexual in England. So when you are on that platform in England, do not say those words. And like, right. you right. just don't know that, right? I don't know what yeah. it means in your culture to say whatever I'm going to say. How did that, how did you, I mean, I, I know it's almost hard to answer, but like, how did you get to the point where you said, this is still me, but that made mm-hmm. me better. You know what? Ooh. Now I can speak to a bigger audience but I'm still Sam. I'm still the yeah. guy that that's still my story. That's still my background. That's still my soul. But I'm, I'm just, I'm better because of the shaping. It's a great question. This is why you do what you do. Um, I would say there was a moment, a season. I'll say this. Yeah, this, I'll say this. It took me two years to understand North Point, two years mm. before I could really get it before I really felt like I understood all the rules before I really felt like I understood the culture and could now start making it my own. It took me two years because I had to, it was a lot. I had to, I had to understand the theological changes. I had to understand the cultural shifts and I had to understand what was valuable to me. And that took me a really long, and what was Mm -hmm. valuable in that system and what was valuable about me in that system. And so that took about two years to figure out. So after the, so within that two year process, there were some things that I did that were really consistent. I, I had to, I had to watch a ton of communicators that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. that were relevant in that space, which Andy was one, obviously. I think this is before I met you. Um, I actually really enjoyed Clay Scroggins for a while. Um, I enjoyed Judah Smith for a long time. Um, I really enjoyed, um, 
aspects of Furtick's communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, I would study them because those were the people that were reaching the audience that I would want to reach. And then I went and studied T.D. Jakes and Robert Madu and John Gray and the people that I enjoyed on the other side. And I said, what, do, what can I take from both of those sides to make the new me? Hmm. Which, which for me, I feel like, and I think you can attest this, I feel like we get better as communicators when we listen to other people and we grab, I mean, there's nothing original under the sun, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just new mixtures of things, which from North Point, you'll grab the bottom line and you'll go, okay, great. I want that bottom line thing. You'll grab the even rhyming, even rhyming the bottom lines. You'll grab the, you know, the connection, the tension, the uh, truth, the application, the felt, you know, the felt needs. And what yeah. do you do after that? Those are the things you're, you're going to take from that. But from T.D. Jakes, I wanted to, I wanted to keep the soul. I'm going, right. I want the soul. I may not structure my message the same way, but I want to, I want that storytelling. I want that, the soul of what he's doing. And if I could bring those, all those things into one world, maybe, maybe that's who Sam is. And so for me, when I, I knew it was me because I valued it. If mm. I didn't value it and if, if it didn't attract me, it was not something I knew that probably would work in me. And so that's, I think that's how I discovered the new me. Well, this is really fascinating to me because I didn't know that you had done that much intentional study, that there was that much shaping. And here's here's where I want to go because, I mean, literally yeah. an hour before we started recording, I'm on Instagram and I'm just scrolling through my feed and I follow a lot of people. And yeah, yeah, yeah. there's this one guy who I will not name. And I'm like, dude, you're trying to be Rich Wilkerson or Judah Smith. <laughs> And it's it's just you know there's a trying too hard part and yeah I mean this is this is the case I've seen guys and I'm like man you've adopted the style and the mannerisms of Andy Stanley or you're trying to be Furtick and mm-hmm. you know like the thing is I don't think Furtick is is getting up in the morning trying to be anybody other than who other God than him. created him to be yeah. same with Judas same yeah. with Rich same with Robert Madu same with T D Jakes. And yeah. yet what I love, and, and, and this I mean sincerely, I've, we've been, spent a lot of time in the same place together. I've never found a hint of derivative in you where I'm like, wow. hey, Sam, you're just trying to be a little bit too much like Reggie or a little too much <laughs> like T.D. Jakes or a little bit too much like all of the influences yeah. that you've said where, where you're almost a mini me. Like I've, in, in the midst mm-hmm. of all of that, I'm like, no, that's just Sam. So mm-hmm. how, how when you studied wow. that carefully... How did you end up not just being an imitator? How did you allow that to shape you without allowing it to break you or to Ooh, remake you into Gary. something you're not, Sam? Gary. <laughs> Tell me, my friend. You are incredible at this. Oh, my God. I got goosebumps. Man, I, um, um, you know, I really have to say, I, I think that um, you have to start in my opinion, this is just my yeah. opinion. Yeah. With liking yourself. Okay, stop the interview right there. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> you can be on again another time. <laughs> wow. That's huge. It's it I had to first go, do I like me? Like, what do I like about me? And you know, what do I enjoy? And you know, that's a hard line because Oh yeah. There will be people that don't like you, 
And the things that you like about you, they won't like. But you have to like it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, so that, let's play that out because you're getting feedback on a regular yep. basis, which, and, yep. and listen, I listened to an interview recently of a communicator about how can you be a better communicator? And at the end of listening to him talk for an hour, and he's not a name anybody would know, but the, the picture I got of him is like, nobody can critique me. And if they're critiquing mm. me, there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with me. And I'm like, dude, yeah. you're so insecure. Like that, <laughs> that takes, it takes so much security yeah. to sit down and have them. And I'm sure it hurts sometimes where you're like, really, we're fighting over this sentence. Okay. So yeah. how, yeah. how can yeah. I say it? How, how did you not let that defeat you? And how did you still like yourself in those moments where you're like, man, these guys are like, they're critiquing me over and over and over again. How did you, how did you keep liking yourself or were there periods where you lost your confidence or your swagger or whatever? Yeah, this is such a great question. I, 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 I'm not trying to blow smoke. I just, you know, I do interviews too. So I'm yeah. just like, Gary, you're killing this. Um, so I'm sorry. This is a little bit of the interviewer in me going, this is amazing. Um, you know, I, I'm going to get a little deep for a second. Um, you know, I think for me, the, the filter that I had to build because to, to receive criticism, because you have to receive it if you're going to be better. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. hands down. Like, and I've read too many books and, you know, at North Point, Orange, all the other worlds that we're in, Catalyst, um, I, I would even include this podcast and, and the connections. It's, they, they, they hammer into you the idea that if you can't be questioned, then you're probably questionable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, you're not, 100%. if you're not being critiqued by anybody, then what are you doing? You're not getting better. So for me, I valued that. But because of my cultural background and because of, you know, uh, my goals, I, I had to build a filter because it is very, I, I know a lot and I know a lot of guys and I'm going to push this episode whenever it comes out. I'm going to push it through my platforms everywhere because I have a ton of minorities that call me and text me that are in large positions and in large spaces that have the, the same question. And they're going, how do we do this and still keep us? And, and I know a lot of minorities who have lost themselves trying and, and they go through a depression or they go through a, I don't know what I'm doing or what. And, you know, for me, the filter I had to build was this. Yeah. Do they understand me? Before we start getting the criticism, mm-hmm. do they understand me? Do they know my goals? Do they like me? Do they believe in me? And what they're saying about me, is that resonating with my spirit? And that was, I mean, not to blow smoke again, but one, I think one of the reasons I love you is because I've always felt that way. People ask me about you all the time. They say, you know, and this isn't the carry hour, but I'm using it because we're on your podcast and this is great. Everywhere I go around the country, people are going, do you listen to Carrie? I'm like, yeah, I know Carrie. He's awesome. They said, what is he like? I mean, is he like, is he really like that? I said, he's better off the microphone than he is on the microphone. He, you, I said, you get the leadership side of Carrie on the microphone. But when you meet Carrie off the microphone, you get the pastor. And he's the guy that's breathing belief. In, and from day one, you did that. And so I try to look for those traits in people before I let them into my soul. Because for me, and this is, just, you know, I'm being vulnerable. For me, I am very impressionable. 
I am. It's I'm, I'm a words of affirmation guy oh, on wow. the love language. So words are everything for me. If you tell me something, I'm thinking about it for six months. Hmm. I'm going for that time. Carrie said that to me back in January. <laughs> I, got, so, I got a friend like that. Who's that way? He's like, remember when you said, I'm like, I don't remember what I said yesterday. Like, yeah. so that words go, they're so big to me. So criticism was a, I don't want to say a tough thing for me, but it was a, it was a thing I took seriously because I'm going, I get it. if I, if I let you in, I could lose everything. I could lose myself. And so that was my filter. Do they get me? And there were people that didn't get me. They didn't yep. get me. And so I'm like, I ah, can't let you in that space. But that is so helpful. And, and thank you for what you said. I hope that's true. I hope that's even more true a decade from now, 20 years from now than it is now, Sam. But what I, what I really appreciate about that, and, and that rings true in my experience too, especially today, there's a million people who will tell you things, right? Like just go on social, read the comments. You know, if you're on yeah. YouTube, it's like, uh, everybody's yeah. got an opinion. But there's very, when somebody knows you and somebody loves you mm -hmm. and somebody believes in you and they're like, hey, let's work on that word or have you thought about, that is gold, Yes. I mean, you go into Proverbs and that's like criticism from a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Better than praise from an enemy. And yes. that, that, that is so wise. So you say that, that you have so many friends, as, as you would, who are minorities, who are struggling with that. Talk to them for a minute and, and, and mm -hmm. help them out with, with, with that, because that's a world that you are uniquely positioned to speak into. Wow. I, I would say this, and I, I, I try not to get too passionate. I would say, um, spin, don't just let everybody in, but you got to let somebody in. But you got to, but in order to let somebody in, you got to spend a lot of time on the front end. Spend time, take going to lunch with people and asking them questions and getting their feedback about what they see for you 10 years from now and what they see in you and and hold that up to your vision of yourself or to your or to the vision that maybe even your mom has given you. I mean, they're, they're, they're leaders mm. in my life before I came over to the majority. I don't even say majority, but the more Caucasian space, the more white space. And this is becoming a multicultural space, which is so I'm even more excited because yeah. I see that work happening. As it so, should be. Yeah. And, and it's amazing. There are churches I go to. I'm like, wow, you guys, you got it. Um, there were people from my past that I knew knew me. And so when I meet new people, I try to hold up those words. It's like, wait a minute, that guy or that pastor or that mentor that may be still in my life, the, the way he speaks to me, does this person like speak to me? Maybe it doesn't sound the same, but is it the same heartbeat? And that doesn't mean that you're always going to agree. That doesn't mean that because I don't because I think somebody's listening going, wait a minute, you're never going to, you know, if you feel a certain way, a different way, now all of a sudden the person is not the person. No, I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. I'm saying the person knows you to your core. And so when they say something challenging to you, you, you believe it, you let them in, you let them speak into you, but the foundation is they got to know you. So spend some time letting people in and don't sacrifice your authenticity for influence. Oh, was that a Which temptation? Is, Oh, it, it's a temptation every day. Mm. It's a temptation every day. I'll, t I'll tell you this, Carrie. It, I woke up one day and I said to myself, and I feel like the Lord said this to me. He said, every stage is not your stage. Oh, wow. 
that was, and that was so hard for me. <laughs> 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 because you know, you want to reach as many people as possible. And, but the Lord said to me, he said, every, every stage is not your stage and every stage is not everybody's stage. It's like, we all have a certain amount of people that God, I believe, has connected to our platform. They're going to come and, and it doesn't have to be 10 people. It's millions. But yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people in the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not every stage is your stage. And so that there will be stages, and I'm done after this, there will be stages that I've had to even turn down because they asked me not to be me. And I said, wow. this is not my stage, but there are stages that are for me. Okay, so on that note, because it <laughs> is remarkable from the backseat of that Yukon or Tahoe or whatever, Tahoe, is that a truck? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tahoe. Yeah, Tahoe, Tahoe. Tahoe, thank you. <laughs> Uh, four or five years ago to see what you're doing now. And I'll, I'll just be totally transparent. Like one of the things I've learned is let God open the doors, don't do it yourself. Mm. And that's been tough. But I said to you before we started recording, I was telling you about South by Southwest. And literally yeah. just before we started our interview, uh, I spoke there in March of 2019 and they had said to me, hey, you want to come back in 2020 and we'll do some more together. And I'm like, are mm -hmm. you kidding me? Yeah, I just got the email and I was ready. I had the time on my calendar, but I'm like, I'm not going to push. I'm not going to prod. I get an email from South by Southwest. We'd love to have you back and let's do more next year. Can we talk next week? That's, and right. I'm like, That's right. Yes. But what I feel so good about <laughs> is God opened that door. And I felt mm -hmm. like I had to be okay with him saying, I'm going to close it. And maybe by the time this airs or next year, it all fell apart. Like who knows? <laughs> but, you know, my philosophy has been let God open the door. Don't open it yourself. Let God, mm -hmm. if he's going to do any lifting, let him do it. So I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit because it is a remarkable rocket ride you've been on. Um, give yeah. people an idea of where Sam Collier International Media has gone <laughs> in the last, like, dude, every time I talk to you, you know, I get a text that's like, I got a TV show and like, you know, <laughs> I got this and I got that. And I'm, and everywhere I look on social, you're hosting here, you're over there. Uh, so give us a, a quick purview of what you're up to these days. And then I want to go into in detail with you. How did you, how were you aggressive and ambitious without being selfish or uh, every stage is not your stage? It's real. I know that's <laughs> tough, but we got a lot of entrepreneurs. We got a lot of preachers. We got a lot of ambitious people listening yeah. and I want to go there. So what are you doing right now? And then how did you know what door to walk through and what to leave behind? How did that go? Um, wow. I, you know, I think the, the most pressing thing, and I'll try to walk backwards of where we are now and yeah. then kind of stuff that happened before. We just accepted a publishing offer, a two-book deal from Baker, mm -hmm. and it was between Zondervan Thomas and Thomas Nelson and Baker and Tyndale. That's incredible. And, I mean, shout out to Alex Field, who Alexander Field, mm -hmm. who me and you talked about. That guy, mm -hmm. I think, I think... 80% of why they called me back was because of him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good dude. He's an awesome right? dude. Yeah. Um, but we went with Baker. Um, not that the other ones weren't amazing because they were, and I'm hopefully I'll be able to do some things with them in the future. Uh, Baker just, we just felt like they had told stories like ours before and 
Um, and they were really um, uh, fashioned, I think, to commit to the idea a little bit. And so we're going to do a greater story, the book. Um, it's going to be about my life story and how I met my biological family on the Steve Harvey show, which we can talk about <laughs> later. Yeah. Um, and then the second book is going to be, I think we're going to go with the diverse leader. Oh, wow. Um, and so it's just helping leaders lead in a multicultural world. And so it'll be about that. But the first one will be a greater story. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. The TV platform and radio and podcast p- platform has just been crazy. I, my mission behind it, and the heart behind it for me was um, in, in, in the Christian world, I don't think we have a, have a shortage of content. Yes. I think we have a shortage of platform. Hmm. And so for me, and, and here's the example I'll use. If you put a business book out and you're in mainstream America, you can pretty much hit a couple places and it hit everybody. If you come out with an album that's an R&B album or a pop album or whatever it is, you can pretty much hit, hit a couple places and it's out. You can go to Jimmy Fallon. You can hit this other show and you can go here. And next thing you right. know, Oh no. So you know what I'm yeah, fair enough. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But there's not too many platforms in the Christian space. This is one, the one that we're on now, that actually hits a lot of people at one time to where you oh, can broadcast the message. I hadn't thought about that. It's a pretty fractionalized market now, particularly yeah, with the like, decline of TV. Yeah. 100%. Like you have to go everywhere. You have to hit this podcast and then this podcast and you got to speak at this church and you got to hit this church and you got to hit this conference. And then you, you have to tour everywhere just to make sure the message kind of gets out to, you know what I mean? You know, I do, you know, Sam, that's a new thought for me, but I, I think you're right. That's accurate. Yeah. And so for me, I wanted to create a platform similar to this one, um, that, that was wide enough to where people, when, when they came on, it could hit the majority of the church, or at least a large part of it. And so that's kind of our heart behind it. And that's why I'm chasing it so hard because right. I want, I want to elevate voices. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to get super spiritual, but the enemy is doing his thing. I mean, he, oh, he yeah. is elevating voices all around the world in, 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 a, in, what is it? What, how, in light speed. What is it? What is it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, mean, I know. I know what you're saying. Uh, the the uh, not so good people have lots of opportunity to air yes. their views. I think Ryan Leslie, I just had him on. He's he, he's our first. He was our first guest that really wasn't all the way in the Christian space, but he created an app called Superphone that Furtick and Jakes and all of them are using. So I interviewed okay. him about that specific app. But he was a Harvard grad, sixteen hundred on the SAT, okay. and he says that um, success is that. The speed of communication. I believe that's what he said. Or communicate. He basically was attaching the speed of communication to success. That hmm. the amount of time that you can, that it takes for you to get a message out will dictate the amount of success that it has. So in other words, if you come out with a book, if you can get 50,000 people on it in the first week, it has a greater chance potentially of being successful. You know what Understood. I'm <laughs> Yep, a hundred percent. It's like uh, it's like even what's happening with the uh, with a stock exchange, right? The Dow Jones and that kind of thing. Yeah. You're down to microseconds on digital trading that can make the difference between profit and loss. That kind yes. of thing. Yes, and speed to market. Mm-hmm. Yes, success happens at the speed of communication. I believe is a statement. But yeah. so I love that, and so 
we've been chasing it. We're on NRB TV. We're on 45 million, million homes every week. We're on um, a station down in Orlando, which which is in about two, 2.5 million homes. Um, I believe it's called The Good Life. We're on about five different internet radio stations that get about two to three million impressions every week. And then we have our iTunes platform. Um, and then we just locked in a deal with AURN, which is American Urban Radio Networks. Um, they have a, they started a pa- podcast arm, but they own about 98% of the urban market in the radio space. Wow. They've got about 400 stations. So they're marketing on it. So that's kind of been the culmination of what we're doing in the media space. And the guests are getting bigger. We got to have you back. I can't believe <laughs> it's we, been fun I mean, to be on your show. I would love to. Got to have you back for your, I mean, did we, did we do one on the new book? Uh, I don't think we did. No, that would have been the last six months. It's been a while. I gotta have, because yeah. you haven't been on our TV platform. I gotta nope. get you on the TV platform. I need you no. on there. I need, Let me I work need out me. a little harder and then I'll be on your TV show. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, well, we'll talk about it later. And so, and so that, and then, I've been, man, I don't know what happened back in October, but my speaking, something happened and my bookings just started coming in and I have no idea what happened. I don't know if it was... People started listening to me on here more. I mean, maybe you can help me understand. Mm. I just went through a period where more churches and conferences and business um, business conferences just started booking me. And I don't know where it came from, but I've been doing a lot. I, I spend about 50% of my time speaking now. Isn't that interesting? And, you know, I think some of that, okay, so I, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I want to know yours. Because I've had that same thing. It's like, I'm doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, this doubled. Like, what just right. happened? Yeah. Any theories on that? I don't know. I mean, I um, I, I don't know who I was talking to. I believe it was a branding guy. But I think mm-hmm. he, he, he was, he was kind of saying that um, he thinks that it's just a result of consistency. And he thinks that there's a moment in your brand where everything just kind of comes together. When you're putting out podcasts, you're speaking at conferences, you're putting out books, and there's a he call I think he calls it a peak moment where mm-hmm. everything just kind of travels together and peaks. Yeah. And that's what he he say. I I just think you've been you've been on it, you've been at it for a while, and I think you just kind of hit a moment where everything kind of started coming together. Because I go places now and by the grace of God, I'm so grateful, so grateful for, for, for this. And people know the podcast and I'm just like, what? Because, you know, you know, you do, and you probably went through this similarly with yours is you do, you know, you do these episodes, right? (laughs) You do these episodes and you're like, is anybody listening? (laughs) (laughs) But I go through the thing, like even in the UK last week, I was in uh, North London and yeah. people are like, thanks for the podcast. Thanks for the podcast. Thanks for the podcast. This is number one I thing I hear on the road. And, you know, you look at the stats and we got 8 million downloads and that's awesome. But you forget that those are real people, right? right. And that they actually listened and that they listened to most of the episode and yeah. the whole deal. So it is, it's still astonishing. And I hope it never stops being surprising. Yes. But I would, I would have come up with the same answer as that peak moment. I was, uh, I don't, I won't name names, but I was, you know, talking to a friend the other day who leads a, a very large industry leading 
firm in the parachurch space and we were reflecting on, he started a little bit earlier than I did, maybe two years earlier than I did, but we were reflecting on all the people who started and stopped all the stuff that was begun and finished, or I'm in this space, but then I pivoted and then I did this and then I left and then I quit. And then I started this, but I didn't stick with it. And I think there is, you know, as long as you're helping some people, I think futility can be. You're doing something that nobody wants and you've done it for 10 years now, like pick up the clue, Carrie. It's probably mm-hmm. not, you're, it's not going to happen for you. Yeah. But I think if, you've, if you're serving a community and you're helping a community and you're helping people accomplish their dreams, uh, one of the key is just don't quit and you just keep wow. showing up. You know, we'd never <laughs> missed a Tuesday. I think most people are tempted to quit moments before their critical breakthrough. And you haven't, you've reached that tipping point. You've reached that point of inflection. Um, in terms of you look at the level of guests that you're getting and, and the connections that you have, even to get into broadcast and national television distribution and so on and so forth. When yeah. you look back on it, how have those relationships appeared? Because often, you know, people sit there and I remember thinking about this where it's like, Oh, maybe Craig Rochelle will call me back one day. You know, I've never met Craig. I, I know him now, but you know, right. like, well, if you're if that's your strategy, it's probably never going to happen. So, can yeah. you walk yeah. us through how you went from the backseat of that Tahoe to like national distribution in just a few years? Like, yeah, um, I think a lot of it had to do with the stages I was on, um, which I gotta. I think I have to talk about that. Um, I, you know, I always say. This is my opinion. Again, I give my opinions. I think that success is more inherited than it is created. Okay. What do you mean by that? And that's just from my experience. So what I mean is I think that success happens in circles or or success is shaped in circles. Okay. And what I mean by that is um, when you think about I, and I'll just say, I'll say this. When you think about North Point, Orange, Catalyst, Passion, all of this, people always ask me, they go, man, so what, you know, what would you attribute your influence or your success to? I say two things. The moment I stepped on the stage at North Point and the moment I started my podcast, mm. I said those two things overnight were the biggest things that helped me become what I am today. And it's because they put me in new circles. And so I inherited that. And so when, when North Point let me on their stage, um, people at Catalyst started calling me. Right. I got to big stuff and that's how I met John Acuff. Right. I met Orange. I, I met you. I mean, so it's, it, but I got in that circle. And so I would say it this way, North Point, they lent me their, their influence. I get that. Yeah. And yet it's really interesting because I love, you know, full circle back to where we started, Sam, when you said I would practice every single night and wouldn't stop. And I, you know, practice 10 times before I did it. There's a lot of people who've had a moment but they haven't stepped into that moment. They haven't, they haven't yeah. stewarded it well. And it might be, okay, you're doing announcements for 100 people. Yeah. But <laughs> if you're doing announcements for 100 people, you know, I, I always tell my kids, like when I had a really lousy car when I was in my 20s, and I still don't have a great car, but I had a lousy car. 
I thought, well, I better take good care of this car and I'm going to vacuum yeah. it. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to wax it because one day I might have something that costs $50,000. And then uh, if I'm not a good steward of this, I won't be a good steward of that. And I wonder if there's some truth to that. And I've heard you say that through through all of these last few years, it's like, I just need to be an incredible steward. Now, yeah. what are some mistakes you see other leaders making when it comes to platform building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. because, And so what I was going to say about stewarding the influence and being, you know, and all of that is, I think it's, I think it's all connected. I think half of it is being great at it, but then I think the other half is building the relationship and have, having a vision, adding value, and then, this is my biggest one, creating the win-win. Right. If it's not a win-win, I think it's very difficult to build a platform the way you want to build it. If it's not a win-win for the people you want to get on the podcast, if it's not a win-win for the publisher that you're trying to get to put your book out, if it's not a win-win for the church that wants to bring you out to speak, if it's not a win-win, then I think it's not going to happen or it's going to be very, it's going to be very hard for it to happen. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I see almost everyone making, not everyone, but people that are not doing it well. That's one of the biggest mistakes I see them making. They have bought into the idea that people are just going to let them do things <laughs> mm-hmm. because they like them. And that does, it doesn't work that way. Can you give us an example of what a win-win has been somewhere along your journey? Like just make it really practical. What is a win-win? 100%. Reggie Joyner, um, me getting the job at Orange as a director of city strategy. I think the win-win for him was uh, he wanted to turn the ship with Orange and become more diverse. Yeah. It was a win-win for him because I came and specifically he wanted to, um, you know, reach more black led ministries um, and not, not, not to increase his influence, but to help. Oh my gosh. That is such a heart issue for him. He's like, there's a problem in our country and I I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. 100%. Mm -hmm. So, so he meets me. I came from one of the largest black churches in America. It was a 25,000 member black church. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I was, I, I, I had done a lot of things with Bernice King, who was Martin mm-hmm. Luther King's daughter. And I took my, I went on my two year journey of maintaining my authenticity in a majority white space. And so it was a win-win for him because he's going, hey, I'm trying to turn this corner. I need a guy that's actually done something like this already and can actually create the relationships and help foster the relationships that we need. I'll give you a moment. This is a big moment where I think the win-win took place. Because I came from a new birth, new birth was under Bishop T.D. Jakes, Mm -hmm. which most people didn't know. Um, privately. And we were in a meeting with T.D. Jakes. It was me, it was Reggie, and it was T.D. Jakes and his team. And um, and I think Mark Jeffries was there. And there was a moment in the meeting where something in my head, maybe in my heart and my spirit said, I need to validate Reggie right now to T.D. Jakes, because that's the first question he's asking. As a black man, and because because he's similar to where from to the leader I was under, 
And because I've been in that world and I'm now in this world, here's the disconnect that I see. The first thing he's thinking, he's never going to say it, is, is this white man safe? Mm. And is he in it for the money or is he in it to actually help help people? And so there was a moment in the meeting where I said, okay, I got to do it. So I said, hey, just really quick, Bishop, you're amazing and you've helped shape who I am in ministry because he has. I mean, what you've done for the black community, I grew up under your leadership and under your teaching. You, you, you inspire us every day. I listen to Andy in the morning and you at night. I said, I just want to say that. Um, with that being said, I want to talk about Reggie for a second. As a black man, being with this organization, I can honestly say that he's in it for the right reasons. Oh, yeah. I would not be connected to Orange if he was in it for the wrong reasons. If he was in it just to make money, I wouldn't be there. And so I, I, that was a win. That's, that's a piece of the win-win. Without, without my background, I would not have been valuable for that particular partnership or for what Reggie was trying to take orange. So it just has to be a win-win. True word hasn't been spoken about Reggie. I mean, anybody <laughs> who ever accused Reggie of being in it for the money doesn't know Reggie. I, <laughs> that guy, he just, he, he is about as passionate and authentic a leader I've ever met. And he's That's doing right. it because he wants to make a difference. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah, That's right. and you think about that because all that was, and it was a lot, I'm not trying to minimize it, but it was you in a moment going, I've got a role to play here. And similarly, you know, when I was uh, starting out in my podcast, I'm just trying to think about a win-win for leaders who are listening right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you're begging any, you remember this starting your podcast, you're begging anybody, your great aunt, you know, will you be on my podcast? Like, you know, anybody. And <laughs> I just wrote thank you notes and sent small gifts that were within the budget just to say thank you. And yeah. I've guessed it on a lot of podcasts, but I can tell you about 10% of the people will will send you a nice little note and say, thank you for that. And you remember yeah. that. You remember that. You rem- And those are the little things down the road. And I would get, you know, texts or direct messages from very influential leaders who are on the show. And they're wearing the hoodie I gave them or they're wearing the t-shirt I gave them. And yeah. it's those little things that go a long, long way along the way that you can't be the sole beneficiary of all this, right? Yeah. And, and if I were to piggyback on that, I would say you got you to gotta do your work first before you ask other people to join what you're trying to do. Mm. And that for me was huge. It, I get, you know, and you probably get this a lot too. I get a lot of people that go, I want to start a podcast. You know, yeah, yeah. What, what should I do? Or how should I do it? Or this, this, that, and the third. And I try to do every podcast request I get unless unless it just doesn't make sense. But I tried it mm-hmm. because I remember being, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. trying to get everybody. But one of the things I say to them is, you know, I just had Lecrae on the show recently. Right. And I can't tell you how many messages I got of people going, can you get me Lecrae? You know what I'm saying? Oh, to, yeah, be my, yeah, yeah. to be on my show. And I said, probably not. But that's only because he, one, he called me. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Know? His team called me. I didn't call them. Um, but 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 two, when when you're at a level like that, you're getting requests every and you know you get requests yeah. every day. You're turning down three hundred of them to pick the top whatever, and you got to be a good steward over your influence. And so what I try to help 
um, young podcasters and young speakers and young bloggers un- understand is you got to build your audience. If you build your audience, it'll make everything easier. Everything. Yeah. And so, and so for me, but and when, before we go ahead, you go. How, no, I, I cut you off. How do you build no, I, your I, audience? <laughs> I had a mentor of mine that told me I used to do music. He said, Sam, it's time to stop making songs and it's time to start marketing them. Mm. (laughs) He said, you've mastered the song part. Now you got to get them off your computer. So what did you do to market your podcast to build an audience? You know, it's, um, I did a combination of things. One, from the beginning, I said, if nobody's listening, I'm going to be wasting my time. (laughs) So that's the first thing I said. I said, I'm going to, it's going to be a labor of love. I have just now, and I'll say this um, publicly, I've just now started making money, act like legitimate right. money, like from the podcast. I've gotten a lot of derivative things, obviously speaking gigs mm-hmm. and books and all that. But I've just now started turning a profit with the podcast. I've had it for two and a half years. So the first decision I had to make was I'm going to invest in this. <laughs> yeah, two and it a half. costs you money to start, right? It costs you money. So that's the first thing you got to you got to make a decision to actually invest in the building of that. So I didn't quit my job and say I'm just going to do podcasting. I said I'm going to invest in this and see this. But from the beginning I said, you know, if I'm going to grow this, then I'm going to have to make some big decisions and one of the, one of the decisions I'm going to have to make is who I interview because nobody wants to listen to people that they don't want to listen to. <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? <laughs> it's so true. And so I said, I got to get some guests on here. So I started asking the question, how can I get the people that I would want to listen to on this platform? Mm. And I said, okay, well, it has to be a win-win for them. Right. And so how, how can it be a win-win for them if I can promise them an audience? So how can I get them an audience? I got to go get an, I got to go create an audience. And so I started making calls and I said, I'm going to start the podcast, but I'm also going to do a radio show. And so I started calling my friends and saying, Hey, before I do anything, let's, let's, let's broker a radio deal first before I do it. And for some people it may be, let me build an email list first before let me you know, build my social media, my Instagram up. Let me get my Facebook, my Twitter, my what, MySpace, if you're on that, whatever it is, let me build that up before I start asking for my guests. So again, it can be the win-win because it has to be um, relevant for them and it has to make sense. And so I closed the radio deal with Rejoice Musical Soul Food on 35 FM and AM stations. And then I started the podcast. And so when I asked people to be on it, it was, hey, I want you to be on our radio show. I'll also put it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's smart because you knew you had an instant audience on the radio. And I think you're right. Like this podcast started with um, an email list I had and it wasn't that big at the time. It was maybe five or 10,000 people and 419 people said, yeah, I want the podcast. And that was enough to get yeah. started. And I cashed mm-hmm. in a couple favors at the beginning with all these friends that I had influenced yep, You got to cash in the favors. And, but they're not coming back if you've got 12 people listening. 100%. But what happens, and just so people know, is you build up enough of a following and then they eventually come to you. Hey, yep. Like, you know, Lecrae's team reaching out to you. And we had another one of those instances today where it's like, hey, so-and-so wants to be on. I'm like, yep, we can do that. 
Um, so that that's really good. Sam, um, hey, you told me at a couple different points you spent half your time being married. So <laughs> working on being a husband. How do you balance all of this and like have a have a marriage on top of that? You know, I realized very quickly that if the marriage wasn't right, everything else was going to be wrong. Mm. And I say that on a spiritual level, but I also say on a practical level, if, if the wife ain't happy, you can't get anything done. <laughs> so true. <laughs> or, or you can try, but you're going to be killing yourself trying to do it and you're not going to execute well. So for me, I just said, I'm going to invest everything I have into making sure that Tony which that's your wife's We're name We're both too. married to Tony's. Yeah. Right. With an eye. That's a, it's the best right. thing. And they get along great. They do. They do. That Tony feels good. If she, yeah. I mean, if, if, if something is off, I will stop everything and go, Hey, Hey girl, let's talk about this. <laughs> like, yeah. Meet me up the street. I'm, Hey, I got to talk to my wife. Give me a second because you know, and uh, I just learned that uh, if she's not, and, and I learned that early in the beginning, because if she wasn't happy about something, it would take over the whole day. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not because she was crazy, but because it would be weighing on my heart. It'd be on my heart. It would be in our home. And so I said, no, I, I got to make sure that she's great. I got to make sure that we're hitting on all cylinders um, before I start trying to do everything else in, in the world. Because if not, it's all going to come crashing down anyway. Does she travel with you sometimes? Oh man, as much as possible. Yeah. People look at us on Instagram and they go, are y'all ever together? I'm like, yes, we just don't post about it. (laughs) Mm, Gotcha. Yeah. We're together all the time. We just had a conversation recently because she's obviously gotten more popular and which was the goal for her to be who God has created her to be um, as well. That was a big goal for me. Hey, I, you know, you've got some gifts, you've got some talents. I want to make sure that you, you know, so even when we first got, you know, when we first got together, I introduced her to Reggie immediately um, and to North Point and all. And now she's she's working for preemptive She's hosting, Love. speaking, doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we just had a conversation recently because I, I said, well, we knew that you were going to be influential, but now <laughs> you're really influential. And we're both really, you know, by the grace of God, influential. And I don't think we prepared for how busy we both were going to be. And so now we're going, all right, we got to let's let's actually now see what we have to say no to so we can say yes to each other. Oh, that's good. And that's the season we're in. You know, we're in the no season so we can say yes. Yeah. Part of it moving forward when I'm speaking is it includes two tickets. So that if if my Tony wants to come with me she can. That's and right. if she doesn't have to, but you know, that option is always there and mm-hmm. it's so much better because otherwise, it you know, is. sits alone in an empty house or you come back and you have to repair something or there's just that distance. And if you get along it well, is. like it's good. She is isn't, my isn't, best friend. Isn't that hotel lonely experience crazy? It's horrible. It's bad. <laughs> I still, I still remember, you know what? I had a defining moment this four or five years ago where I was in a really nice hotel and I won't say where or who, but uh, it had, it was a suite 
And they were apologizing that the presidential suite wasn't available. And I'm like, trust me, I don't need the presidential suite. Okay, I'm a bit of a diva, <laughs> but not that much of a diva. And it had, it had like multiple rooms and I think it had three bathrooms. And I'm like, how does one human being even use three bathrooms? Like, I don't yeah. understand yeah. that. Yeah. And yeah. I called Tony because she wasn't with me. And I know that night I just realized it's not what you do, it's who you do it with. Mm. And we don't need, you know, three bathrooms between the two of us. But yeah. if I'm going to have a great experience like that, I want to share it. And I'd rather be 100%. in a Motel 6 somewhere with my wife than in a palace all by myself. Ooh. You, you, uh, you're so right. I was in, in our conversation, we were, we, you know, she was asking me, you know, what, what should I come to? What should I not come to? And I said to her, I said, you know, the big moments are the moments that I'd love for you to be at. You know, I can go to a meeting by myself and I can go here. But when I'm like you said, when I'm in a hotel somewhere, when I'm preaching at a like I it's it's I want I want to share that with you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Because because you end up in this place where you're kind of celebrating the highs all alone or with people you don't really know. Yes. And there's not much of a celebration there, but even, even, or even if it bombs, you know, I haven't had a lot of things that bomb, but even yeah. if it's not going well, or you thought, That's you know, right. that wasn't what I thought it would be to be able to have your best friend there just to hang out with and talk about yeah. it and wake up the next day and go, okay, it's a new day. That's uh, that's really good. So I'm glad because often, you know, that's the part that doesn't get out into the public face too often. It's not always on yeah. Instagram. It's not going to show up on your show, on your TV show, but I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. So Sam, if people want to connect with you online, uh, where can they find you? Man, just at Sam Collier on all mm. social platforms, or if you Google Sam Collier, stuff will pop up, iTunes, yeah. a greater story, you know. All that. All right. Why does it feel like we're halfway through this, but we're all, you know, like this could have been three hours, buddy. <laughs> it could have been. So it means the next episode will, uh, will come up sooner rather than later. I really appreciate you, Sam. I love what God's doing through you. I love the way you're stewarding it. And uh, thanks for making us all better today. Well, hopefully something I said was helpful. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored to be here and you know how I feel about you. It's uh, yeah. you're better off the microphone than you are on, and um, you really are. I mean, you you've you've inspired me, and I just I'm so appreciative that even as I'm walking through my journey, you'll take just five seconds to text me back and and say, "Hey, Sam, try this." The world to me, and I'll say this: we didn't touch on race too much, but I'll say this mm -hmm. as we close: we need people like you changing the narrative of what it looks like to be white in America in relationship with a black man. And we, we need those type of, and I'm hoping that this episode, as people listen in, it'll encourage them that the country is changing and yeah. we're coming together. You we betcha. Have to. Well, I got to tell you, Sam, I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm learning from you probably even more than you're learning from me. And uh, I'm just I'm just glad that God led our paths cross and uh, looking forward to many more years of friendship and leadership together. Thank you, my friend. Man, love you, man. Love you too. Man, Sam's so energizing. I, I just I just love uh, his friendship and I love what he's doing. For those of you who are going to the Global Leadership Summit with Craig Rochelle in August, 
Uh, Sam is going to be doing an awful lot there as well. And I, I couldn't be more thrilled for the way that God is using Sam. If you want more, we got show notes, guys. You can head on over to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 277, or just go to lead like never before. And you will find uh, both episodes I've done with Sam. Just, uh, and he, yeah, he filled in for a, a guest that didn't make it last time. Uh, just search his name in the search engine. You'll find it there. And we are back in just a couple of days with a fresh episode. Uh, I had Ian Morgan Cron on my podcast for the first time a number of months ago, and we hit it off really well. He invited me back to his podcast. And while we're doing his podcast, he really kind of got into it in a really fun way and started analyzing my book, didn't see it coming through the different Enneagram types. It was fascinating. And so I said, hey, I want to share this with my listeners too. And here's an excerpt from what is uh, going to be a fresh episode with Ian coming up in just a couple of days. Okay, so you know who, you know, interestingly enough, do you know what number on the Enneagram tends to fall into that? No. Ones. Really? Yeah. Huh. Let me give you a, let me give you an example of it. Yeah. Elliot Spitzer. Oh, right. Yeah. The attorney general for the state of New York, right? What did he do? He was, he's such a one, right? Huh. And he's, he's on this platform and he's, you know, going up against vice, right? right? And he's always talking about vice. And then you come to find out in his private life, right? Hidden away in the background is this other secret world of, you know, he's out with call girls and doing his thing, right? Yeah. And he gets busted for it. Everybody's like, oh, Mr. Clean. I think the guys on Wall Street used to call him Mr. Clean, right? Because he was always busting people on Wall Street for, for you know, uh, for wrongdoing, you know, I guess yeah. uh, f- financial wrongdoing. And of course, everyone just rejoiced when the guy turned out to have this secret compartment in his life where he was acting out. So here's, we call it the trap door of ones. They have a mm. trap door. So what happens with the ones is they're pushing down all these animal instincts that they deem inappropriate. They, they keep them in the shadow. And, but because these are animal instincts, you know, energies, what happens is they got to get out somehow. Wow. And if you don't, if you don't manage them correctly, they'll come out in a very bad way sideways. And that is from one of the top podcasts in the Christian world, Ian's Typology Podcast, which we're going to rebroadcast for you here in just a couple of days. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, if you subscribe, you get it absolutely for free. And you'll learn a lot about where you're susceptible on your Enneagram to some of the the pitfalls that show up in this life. Really looking forward to that episode. So make sure you uh, check out Custom Graphic Design and get all your needs met at ProMedia Fire. You get 10% off plans for life by going to promediafire.com forward slash carry. And thanks to servehq.church for bringing you this podcast as well. They got a brand new resource called Huddle Up. It's messaging for everyone in your church in one place. You can try it for free for 14 days by going to servehq.church. And we're back in a couple of days with a fresh episode. Subscribers, thank you. People who leave ratings and reviews, thank you for sharing this on social. Thank you. You guys are the best. And we will see you then. In the meantime, I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.